The Bike Fit Podcast is brought to you by the updated Bi Saddle EXT Bike Fit Edition. And working closely with the manufacturers of Bi Saddle, our newest version has increased the durability of the flex base, which provides vibration absorption and increases rigidity. Adjustment bolts are now equipped with metal washers to create a stronger hold, and the updated design of the hard inner now eliminates nose rubbing. Take a look at the new and improved Bi-Saddle EXT Bike Fit Edition, available now in chromo and carbon rails at blog.bikefit.com forward slash saddles. There can be a little bit of fear, right? If somebody's like, well, if I'm not offering a, 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 a telehealth visit or if I'm not offering a remote bike fit, then these guys are just going to go somewhere else. And they're just going to go, they're going to call up the Boulder Brigade and they're going to get fit over uh, Zoom. And uh, now I just lost a client. Um, well, from my perspective, again, like you can't live in fear of that. If somebody's that adamant and they want to pay for something that's half the value, um, so be it, right? And then once this, once the dust settles, maybe they'll come back and they'll be like, yeah, I tried this thing and it was a total waste of time and you know, I wish I'd never done it. I wish I'd come to you first. Welcome to the Bike Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Wyatt, operations manager here at Bike Fit. And before we geek out on today's topic, it's important to acknowledge that for many of you, the current situation with COVID has impacted your family, your jobs, your friends, and everyday life. While these constraints and pains are difficult, arduous, and unique, there's one commonality. We're all impacted. As a community, it's important that we support each other, provide positivity, video chat, talk about bike components, listen to podcasts, and find ways to smile in times of despair. The BikeFit family is with you, and we hope that the podcast provides you some respite, food for thought, ideas for the future, and mind-blowing knowledge. With that in mind, we transition to today's topic, online or virtual bike fitting. This is not a new concept in the scope of bike fitting, but certainly considering the current state where most of us are confined to our houses through stay-at-home or lockdown orders, most in-person fitting is not happening. As a result, I've noticed more fitters offering a virtual or online fitting service. So in today's episode, I interview four different bike fitters to glean their diverse opinions. Two of them are offering the service currently, and the other two express concerns about the process. Between the four interviews today, you'll acquire a quality sample of the current thoughts about the pros and cons of this topic. Please note that in this as well as all of our other episodes, the views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the company BikeFit. Without further delay, we'll speak with the following professionals. Dan Smith from UK BikeFit, Frederick Ilagan of Ford Motion Performance in the Philippines, Jason Barkoff from Piermont Bicycle and Bespoke Bike and Ski in upstate New York, and Dr. Brian Adams of Adams Sports Medicine and Physical Therapy in Michigan. Physiotherapist Dan Smith from the UK starts our conversation about online bike fitting as episode 16 starts now. So Dan, I I noticed an online video you posted on Instagram showing an analysis of a rider and offering, quote, remote cycling analysis. Uh, Tell me how you came up with this idea. Um, Okay, so I think the idea was kind of forced um by the situation i don't i hadn't i hadn't particularly thought of the idea of doing remote cycling analysis or 
remote bike fitting or however however which way you want to describe it um before the situation of the coronavirus presented itself um and it was kind of out of necessity and need rather than rather than a want to do it i think um because of you know the financial situation at the moment within in the uk particularly it was it was a bit up in the air at the time the government government really hadn't said what they were going to do to help out small businesses and self-employed people like myself um so i had to think of something to get some sort of income or continue some sort of income whilst i was closed to face-to-face consultations so um i i had to think and uh, had to think about what 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 can you do and what part of the bike fit process can you do remotely um and basically the the remote cycling analysis service is is essentially just a position check uh is probably the best way to describe it which um i i would i would ask the customer who is interested to send a side on uh profile side on video of, of their their cycling on a turbo trainer um and basically i would take that footage take that that video and um use uh, browser-based software to to assess their joint angles in in the same way that you would use a 3d motion tracking camera system to 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 do that for you in in the in a fit studio um so basically from that all i'm doing with the remote service at the moment is is assessing people's positions and making uh, sort of generic recommendations to say look take your saddle up approximately five to ten mil or something like that to 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 improve their position and i, and I guess it's just to, to to check on or to, to pick up any uh major or and obvious problems with their position rather than the finer details that you would get from a full bike fit so what kind of other changes are you recommending when like you said saddle height are there other changes that mm-hmm. you've recommended uh so yeah anything to do with the position so so i, I would i'll go, go through the whole body from from the footage that the customer sends me i go through the whole body and, and check uh ankle angle knee hip back shoulders elbows um so the the, the gross the gross uh movement patterns that you can pick up from a side on view um and anything that would affect that position such as saddle height fore and aft uh spacer stack height um, hood position, all, all of those, again, gross adjustments. The, the finer details, personally, for me, I don't feel like I can do remotely. And whether that's because I I just haven't thought of a way to do it properly or haven't, had te- haven't got the technology um, and other people are doing it better, I, d- I don't know. But in terms of getting a service up and running quickly that I could, I could just throw out there and be able to do, um, this made the most sense to me. How many have you done so far? Uh, in the past week since we've started the service, I've done three, potentially four from an inquiry this morning. Um, uh, but three I've done so far. And yeah, it's been... The, the thing is for me as well is is for the people that are wanting the service is making sure that they know exactly what they're getting. I don't want them to feel like they're going to get a full bike fit because that's not what I'm offering. Um, uh, if they just want the, the position check, um, then then this is great. But for people who are literally looking for a, a bike fit or as close to a bike fit as you can possibly get remotely, um, then this isn't the service for them. So you lay out specifically your expectations and, and what their expectations should be of what you can do versus what you can't. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I hope that I market that and explain that well enough so that before we even, or before the customer even makes contact with me, um, they kind of know what they're going to get and what to expect. But at the same time, if, if I get the feeling that actually this person wants or, or needs a, a full bike fit and would benefit from a full assessment then i will tell them look this isn't this isn't for you just hang fire wait until we reopen for face-to-face -face consultations and uh, and we'll, we'll see you then but um yeah i think managing managing expectations is important when when doing these remote services because you really don't want someone um sort of being disappointed with what what you offer them um because you've you've sort of uh, you've marketed it in a way that they they're expecting more than what you can give a bike fit a face-to-face -face bike fit usually involves a lot more um a lot more tech if you like and a lot more adjustments to be made by the bike fitter whereas with a physio appointment um everything there is just visual and or predominantly visual with a bit of hands-on um and that that visual side of things can still be done obviously with the, with the camera but with bike fit i think there's a lot more to the assessment before we even do anything to the bike um so it's not as transferable to a remote, a remote service than, than physiotherapy is and do you think that's just because of the nature of the bike and the combination between the bike and human as opposed to just doing something for a human yeah, I think so. And, and also, um, if, if, if we like the, the cycling position is, is fit, is pretty fixed. Right. And if we, if it's wrong, like that can cause some, some serious problems. If, if someone doesn't, uh, from a physio point of view, if someone does a, an exercise slightly wrong for their shoulder for, for a couple of weeks before they have their follow up, it's not the end of the world. Right. It's still a, it's probably still going to be helping a bit. Um, and, uh, B it can be corrected pretty, pretty quickly you know whereas if we if we're talking when we're talking about millimeters and a few degrees here and there we, we want to know we're going to be accurate and we're setting that person up to be to be comfortable and safe firstly um and if we don't do that then 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 we're, we're not just not providing the bike fitting service we're actually providing a bad bike fitting service which i think is worse than not providing a service at all temporarily yeah that's interesting you you feel like if you it would be worse to do a poor bike fit than it would for someone to not get a bike fit. Yeah, and I guess, I guess this is like uh, the selection of your customers that you want to do a remote bike fit with. If you've got someone who's got like quite a a complex history of injury or surgery or broken bones or something that's going to really affect their position, and you you're going to want to put them in the, the correct position and definitely be in the correct position rather than kind of going off some basic measurements that that i'm taking from a video some uh, video footage that they've sent to me um i don't think i'd be too comfortable doing that with that specific person whereas if it's someone who just wants their bike kind of setting up so that they're they're comfortable and um and happy to ride in with no no major complex injury history or anything like that then then that's fine. I'm happy to do, do that remotely. But um, picking the people that you do a remote bike fit with is probably quite important as well. I think it's actually good that you also named it, you know, remote cycling analysis. I feel like that helps. I think when you call it online bike fitting, there's an expectation there, at least from people who are professionals in the community to say, well, I define a bike fit as X. 
But so I, if I call this online bike fighting, then I'm setting an expectation for myself. Yeah, exactly. You're setting an expectation for what you can provide the, the customer and you're setting an expectation of what the customer wants from you. Um, and I don't want the customer to say or feel like, well, I've had a bike fit by sending me a 15 second video footage and me sending the back some joint angles. Um, that That's just, A, it looks bad on me um, as, a, as a bike fitter uh, and B, the, the, the customer needs to know what a bike fit is and if they think that's a bike fit then um, they're not going to see the true value in having a, tro- a proper bike fit or a full bike fit later down the line. How do you work with them on one getting the video correct you know the the right mm-hmm. angle that you want or angles and then two the measurement and the ability to actually make changes themselves? Okay so yeah, the first part it relies on the uh, on the on the customer on the client. So, um, I, I, like the video you saw on Instagram, I've I've put a demo of me on my bike so that they know what they're looking to to uh, to, to obtain when they're filming themselves. Um, but that can be a problem, you know, whether whether people just don't have the space to film themselves on on their turbo or um, the the uh, the angles that they can they can get i I, i'm just looking from a side on profile but obviously um during a full bike fit you'd look anteriorly and posteriorly and uh, and glean more information from that but i'm just looking from that side on so um as long as they can they can film that then that's fine and from the three that i've done so far that's not been an issue um how i um how i assess the angles um i just use a browser-based um service called motion isis um which basically you upload the footage uh, to the browser and then you can draw on your own angles horizontal angles vertical angles um i'm sure that there's a load of other stuff you can do with it that i've not really gone into because i don't need to but um it's it's a basic it's a basic tracking process that you can look at someone's movement patterns with how have and i know you've only done a few but how have the clients responded to the work that you've done with them via this uh you know online fitting yeah they've been happy i mean some some uh, a couple of the ones i've done so far um have been exactly what this service is is set up for have been people who this this service is set up for who their positions are are way out they might be new to cycling never had a bike fit uh, brand new bike just kind of off the shelf not been adjusted at all um, and there's been some major adjustments that we can suggest that should make some good difference I've not um, I say it's only been a week since the service has been up and running so it's it's hard to tell the, the outcomes if you like um, but yeah there's some big changes that, that we've, we've suggested um, which is, is exactly what it's for as I say you, you I, I don't feel like I can offer a service where I make minor changes or or look at the, the finer details of bike fitting and biomechanics to to say um yeah we need to take your saddle forward two or three mil here it, it's more like 10 20 mil and, and making big bigger changes um so yeah so far it's been it's been good it's been exactly what they've wanted and um a, a couple of them have also said you know once that we're back up and running that they'll book in for the, for the full full bike fit um it's it's kind of useful for people who haven't got an insight into bike fit or uh, haven't had a bike fit before. It's a nice way in without stumping up a full cost for bike fit into 
something that's relatively unknown to them it's, it's a nice sort of gentle way in as well which i'm finding is uh is obviously really useful for people you got my next question i i, I literally wanted to know if this type potentially got in new clients who were interested to get a taste which would then book with you later Correct. Yeah. So, and that's the exact reason that I'm going to keep this service on, even when we're fully operational again. Um, I found that people just want a bit of, uh, like, a bit of a taster, if you like, a bit of a, uh, a bit of an insight into what bike fitting is and what it's all about and what it can do for them. Um, uh, and yeah, I guess it's it's a really useful way of of actually building a relationship with someone and uh, having a look at their position and actually. Uh, getting in touch with them and, and suggesting things that are going to help them, but actually saying, well, there's there's more we can do if we see you face to face and we can have a look at this and have a look at that and have a look at saddles and cleats and insoles and all this sort of foot pedal uh, interface and, and all this sort of um, extra information that you like that we can't do remotely. That's really interesting that originally you wouldn't have come up with this, this, you wouldn't have done this prior to the COVID situation. So it happens, you feel you need to respond to it and come up with something. And now you're saying, even when this ends, you're going to continue this service. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, and, and like you say, I wouldn't have thought of doing it before. And then and my hand was kind of forced into, into doing this, if you like, in a way. Um, but because of the reaction that I've had from it, um, I'm seeing that it's going to be really useful going forward in, in other ways. Um, I say that the service was kind of designed to enable me to have some sort of income in the next weeks or months, however long this is going to go on for. Um, but actually, you can see the longer term benefits of, uh, of providing this service, even when we are fully operational and have a face-to-face -face consultation service running as well. Next, we hear from Frederick Ilagin of Forward Motion Performance. Right now, what I'm doing is um, I'm offering free online fitting. You know, uh, I'm I'm not promising them anything. I'm just I'm just here. I want to help them. You know, uh, be able to put them in a position that make them comfortable riding indoors or solve their problems. I know not everyone can afford to get fitted by me, but in that way, I get to help more people in this kind of situation that we have, making them, you know, helping them get over the the boredom of being quarantined inside their homes. At the same time, they're also helping because I'm getting to, you know, practice my craft. I don't want to get rusty in what I'm doing, and I get to, you know, still help a lot of people. Tell me more about the free online fitting you're doing. What does that consist of? Uh, it's a video. It could be either two things. They send me a video in the current, of their current position, and then they tell me what their problems are. We do assessments also. Like I, I do an interview. What problems do you have? What, they, what discomforts do you have? And then I tell them the only way we could do this is you need is you need to send me a video. Then they're going to send me a video. I'm gonna check the video and see to it that. I get to recommend the things that they need to adjust. Like if I see someone who's really too far forward in the saddle that's a, and he's complaining that like, oh, I have too, I have a lot of discomfort in my hand, my arms, and my neck. I'm going to tell them, why, why don't we try moving the saddle slightly backward to change the weight distribution and slightly lowering it to put you in a more comfortable position. So I let them adjust on their bicycle. Then Right after doing it, they're going to resend me a video. I'm going to recheck it again. And then probably 
take like 30 minutes or an hour working with some people. It feels good. It feels good whenever they tell you, they send you feedback like, oh, it feels so good. It It's a big difference. You know, you know that you're able to help a lot of people at the same time. You, in my side, I was able to practice my craft rather than, you know, just sitting and lying on the bed or watching television. I might as well do this, help people at the same time um, improve what I'm doing. What angles do you ask them from a video? Like, which way do they take the video of themselves? And do you ask for multiple angles of video? I usually ask for multiple angles. It's mostly the side, the, the, the rear view of the rider. So I can see the stability of the hip. And most of the time, it's I want to see how the pedals in the side view of the rider. I want to know if they're overreaching. I want to see if their position, if they're too far forward or if they're too far back. If they're overreaching in the bicycle, I always tell them it's a it's just a basic you know adjustment. But usually the results are better. What do you tell them about the limitations? Like you say, it's a basic adjustment. Do you also explain what you're able to do versus what you're not from a video? Yeah, especially if I get clients you know complaining, I think I have a shorter left leg or a shorter right leg. Uh, I get to tell them, oh, this is I'm I'm gonna ask for a video then if we can see that it's something that can be solved by adjusting the saddle, it works. But sometimes, even if we adjust the saddle, we can see that still a lot of movement from the hips. That's when I tell them, that's something that you need to see a professional fitter. Have your position checked. Have your body checked. You probably need a leg length discrepancy shame, or you probably need some adjustments on your body to make you more symmetrical. Are you concerned at all about their ability to make bike adjustments? Does that that become an issue? Oh, uh, sometimes I get um, client. I'm I get to work with you know female clients. You know, it's not that they're telling that we, they don't know how to work on the bicycle, but some of them doesn't have any ideas on how to use the tool. So I tell them maybe have your dad with you or your brother with you or maybe your husband or your boyfriend. You can tell them to adjust. The bicycle. I always tell them the important thing is to use a ruler or if a tape measure because we're going to talk about millimeters and centimeters. So you're you're using some kind of measurement device, obviously, in part of this process, as in lower or no, not really. For me, it's more of you know, it's more of eyeballing. I hear you. So, but you offer this for free. Don't you feel like this is a service that you could charge clients for? Nah. I think at this time, you know, everyone's, you know, um, a lot of people doesn't have work here in the Philippines right now. You know, it's really hard for Filipinos right now. So as much as I wanted to help I, the people, you know, saving lives of our frontliners, I think this is one way I could help my fellow athletes by, you know, providing free service. One way or another, I get to help them not directly fight the, the virus, but help them, you know, stay indoors, enjoy their riding and, you know, be safer and not be an statistic and, you know, not be the person who would be spreading the virus. Now we'll hear a different opinion from Jason Barkoff of Piermont Bicycle and Bespoke Bike and Ski. So I think the idea of, uh, Damon, of online bike fitting is, is very much an interesting one, especially in this age of technology with what's brought in with telemedicine and certain, you know, metrics and values and, you know, distance technology. I think the, the 
potential pitfall for, you know, a professional bike fitter or ones who are doing this type of work um, is that we start to segment away from customers from bringing in the personal expertise of what is actually able to be done. Um, and then on top of it, there is a little bit of the sort of does the risk, you know, outweigh the reward or vice versa in terms of does the individual who you're doing the work with have the capacity to make the changes to the bicycle? And then how granular are we able to get? So knowing that, you know, a lot of issues stem from the foot, are we actually able to convey what is going on, measure appropriately, take a look at what's going on and how efficiently that is? So are we really doing fit work at the end of the day or are we just making, you know, um, broad assumptions based upon a visual perspective, even with some potential markers on whether or not? So what do we classify as bike fit, I guess, to a certain degree? Yeah, it calls the definition into question. Well, do you think at that point, from what you're saying for the pitfalls, that it's possible to create damage, that it would be more of a detriment than a benefit? I don't want to say that we're going to hurt people. I think this is where we start taking a look at individualized fitters, protocols, and stuff like that. And are we doing fit work that may have some small benefit where we know that we're just not doing harm? Or are we actually able to touch that individual person, not metaphorically, and, you know, make a tangible difference in what is going on with their position on the bicycle, their touch points, and everything else that's sort of associated with it. And I think that's, you know, the great divide. Um, personally, we are not doing um, virtual bike fit work or remote bike fit work in that sense, be it a telehealth or telemedicine concept, but we are engaging our clients. We're more than happy to listen to what is going on if they want to send me a short video of things that are going on. And we can make some broad stroke recommendations of some potential things. I know that we're not going to do any harm to them. Maybe it has a small benefit, but we're still refocusing on bringing them in when we're able to and when we're able to reopen to physically do good, proper, you know, fit work with them. So you've had existing clients contact you and ask for some kind of consult, be it just help with fit or even sending you a video? Yeah. So we always do a, um, at moment. So our comprehensive fit is three hours in total time, uh, three hours in time for the first session you know, with a one hour follow-up that is, you know, taking place. A lot of fit work is done prior to us having to shut down um, given the healthcare situation in the United States. And with that, those one-hour follow-ups, you know, I'd love to have those customers inside the store to physically look at them, you know, palpate them, touch them, and understand what's going on. But because that's not possible, at a minimum, we're going to do that, you know, in a virtual setting. Um, those are customers I know that we've actually had contact with, that I know that we've had the ability to put into the best space or put them in the best space on top of the bicycle. We've physically had the ability to make the adjustments that we that were required based upon how they presented at that time. And now just the ability to make some small tweaks, fine tuning based upon what we're able to see um, in a virtual setting until we can physically get them back inside to do that extra work with them. Considering what you said before about the potential limitations, the the foot pedal portion of it, what you can do from an analysis level, um, what would be the recommendation you would give if somebody contacted you that was not 
one of your current clients, right? You said, you know, you obviously have a lot of history, you know, the people you're working with now, but if it was someone from the outside that calls you up or contacts the shop and says, you know, are you doing this? What is your response? So I think a lot of times those customers will call up and those are individuals who have a specific complaint, right? So it's the, uh, oh, my butt hurts while I'm sitting on the saddle. I think it's a saddle issue or my I've got a history of my neck and my back being an issue. So I want to bring the front end of the bicycle up kind of deal. Um, I give them some pointers over the phone. I give them an analogy or two to sort of maybe change how they're thinking um, in terms of what could be a shoulder shrug by actually having the elevation too high on the front end of the bicycle. And perhaps if they wanted to, they could, you know, go and tackle it on their own. I'm not physically one-on-one -on -one in video space saying, oh, I look at you and I see that this is going on. You should do this. It's more of a global perspective. It gives them the opportunity. And then it's on them if they choose to have the capacity to make a move or not and see if that has a remedy kind of no different than them probably trolling YouTube for the thousands of videos that are out there making broad suggestions about stuff, but at least it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation to a certain degree that we have with them, allowing us to engage with them. So when this whole environment ends and we can bring them physically back in, um, they're going to come to us as opposed to, or come to me as opposed to, you know, somebody else or not even engage in trying to do fit work later on. So does the consultation base then connect to you having a conversation saying, let's like, we don't know exactly when this is going to end, but are you then setting up and saying, Hey, I'd love to see you in person to do this in July for, for example. Yeah. So one of the, I think advantages I have is the current booking software um, that I have and people are still booking fit work, even though they don't have a date as to when it can be. Um, my calendar is currently closed through June. And um, so people are booking for months to time spots in June, July, August, September, October. And I'm here in New York in the, you know, the Northeast. So that can be sort of challenging for some. But um, there's a waitlist program that's built into it. So they can waitlist themselves on any particular day, month. Um, and basically, as soon as I have the ability to open up the calendar and choose to begin doing fit work again inside the store, they will get a first right of refusal in 15 minute increments on how they sit in that tier to open up. And because of that ability through um, a little bit of that AI, um, people are still willing to book work because it gives them the opportunity to, hey, maybe it's next week. Maybe it's a week and a half from now and it gives them the opportunity to maybe get an earlier time slot. So That's very cool. What is the software that's doing that? So they're waitlisting through your website and signing up. And then the moment you kind of hit green, it'll go back to them and say, okay, here's the first available date based on when you join the waitlist. Yeah, so we're using GenBook. Um, I'm sure there's many other, you know, softwares out there that that are doing that as well. Um, we've been very happy with just GenBook, and inside the store, we use it for some other um, scheduling uh, things as well, including our bike demos and so forth. But it's been working out well for us. That's awesome. Well, let me go back one more thing to the beginning. Circle back to the the start. You had said that based on what somebody could do with online bike fitting you're not really sure it even falls into the, let's call it definition or, or bike fitting. So in your opinion, should online bike fitting be called online bike fitting? You know, I think this is where we pigeonhole ourselves with, you know, definitions and I am coming from, you know, an emergency, you know, from an ambulance pre-hospital and interfacility critical care transfer, you know, background. Um, I think one of the things that plays into is, we, we sometimes pigeonhole ourselves into very defined protocols. And 
with that, we don't actually get the opportunity to touch the individual. So I think everything to a certain degree, um, you know, bike fit is just thrown away, is thrown out as a very big catch-all. And um, I think it's level to the type of work that you're doing. And that's why a customer chooses to interact with one person versus the other. And I think that individual client who's looking solely for online work um, is the same kind of customer who's looking to try to download a specific, you know, app from a iPad or Android device and set themselves up on a trainer and 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 hope that data is going to give them an answer when data is should support what's going on. Data shouldn't necessarily define what's going on. And I think that's kind of a missing piece to a certain degree as we get better and better technology is that we get become a number centric. And I, I think that's a little bit of a different of geometric fitting versus actual fitting where numbers support what's going on as opposed to numbers defining why something is moving in one spot or another. And that takes a catch-all, which you're not going to hurt anybody from, to individualizing it to the sole person and actually making a tangible difference. That's super interesting, though. So you're saying you feel like the informed consumer that understands generally what they're looking for from a result standpoint, an outcome standpoint, is not the one that's going to you know, pick a full fit with you over time, three hours, looking through this full-on um, analysis versus the person who's kind of looking for an online bike fit is not necessarily looking for the things that you would think they value. Uh, yeah, I agree. So again, thankfully, most of my customers are or fit clients are re- direct referrals from people who've had fit work with us or have come into the store looking to purchase something and see what's going on and understand the value. Um, and then it sort of spreads organically. So I've been very fortunate in that regard. Um, I think the ones that are just specifically um, looking to do an online version are missing the piece of what how important the off-bike assessment is into how that plays um, onto the bicycle. Finally, we get the perspective of Dr. Brian Adams of Adams Sports Medicine and Physical Therapy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're in an interesting time right now, and and uh, the the necessity mm-hmm. is the mother of all invention, and and we're in an in a in a point of necessity right now where we have a community that is still um, riding and training and staying healthy and using cycling as a mode of transportation um, and a mode of sanity. And they're also, uh, needing to be fit. So, um, you know, obviously working in a physical therapy clinic, we are doing, um, telehealth e-visits, um, doing consulting through telemetry. Um, and I think there, there is a small space for, um, for doing or conducting some level of bike fit via telemetry. Uh, I think there, I think some of the, the challenges that you're faced with it um, almost outweigh the value of it um, as well as, you know, you know, there's a, a trust and safety component to it also, uh, which we can go into. But I think um, for us as a standpoint right now, we are not doing any sort of uh, telemetry bike fitting. What we have done is we are following up with people that we have already done uh, bike fitting with and who have questions or have feedback and we are doing those follow-ups remotely. Um, normally I would have somebody come in or we would do it, you know, through uh, a phone call or whatever, but 
Um, if we're making small changes or they have questions about their cleats or the wedges we've used or the shims or any sort of orthotics, um, different things like that, we can, uh, we can do some follow-up on that um, through, um, through a video conferencing uh, mode. We use Zoom uh, primarily. Um, I think the bigger challenge is if you have somebody that's calling you up that you've never met before, that's complaining of certain aches and pains on the bike um, and loss of um, efficiency or whatever it might be, you know, whatever normally would drive somebody into your, your fitting studio, um, your ability to fully um, analyze them or, you know, get some objective measures and all of that um, is, is really significantly limited. Um, for what we do in the, the medical side and the the physical therapy uh, world, I, I spend a good 45 minutes to an hour of the fit in the clinic, hands-on, doing um, joint play assessment, mobility, flexibility, muscle testing, core, you know, core assessment, leg length difference, looking at their feet, uh, looking at foot mobility. Um, there's a, a, a huge investment in time that, that can't be replicated remotely. And we realize that even on the physical therapy side of things that our physical therapy evaluations um, are really limited by um, that same capacity, and we accept that. So, but you're still doing the physical therapy, though, right? As opposed to taking on the online bike fitting. Correct. Um, more so because on the physical therapy side of things, through dialogue, we can really um, titrate down to what the uh, the bigger issue is um, and address that remotely without a lot of the, the specific objective findings, um, almost as a, and we understand that that's, it's not a full uh, evaluation process. And that is why a lot of insurance companies will not uh, reimburse us for telemetry and physical therapy. So a lot of those evaluations um, or even the follow-up visits are not being uh, reimbursed by insurance. Um, there is a nuance um, in, bike fitting where there's so much at stake when you're looking at somebody's forefoot, for example, or you're looking at their foot and ankle mobility. Um, I can't get them to really show me that through telemetry. Um, we could probably have somebody else put their hands and we could guide them and we could do these different things and we can run some, you know, minor objective tests, but it does not really um, translate one-to-one -one or apples to apples. Um, the, the more concerning part of, um, bike fitting through telemetry is, um, if I'm going to trust somebody to, um, loosen and tighten bolts, um, if I am, you know, trying to trust them to objectively measure the bike or, you know, make sure things are level or make sure that things are set up, um, even the ability to capture the video that we need, um, or any other like on the bike assessment um, is going to require the hand of, uh, of a third party. Um, and there's just a lot at stake there. There's also the efficiency side of things. So as they're getting on and off the bike, you know, if I'm here in the clinic and I'm doing a bike fit, like we're moving pretty quick through that and I can make those adjustments on the fly. Uh, if I'm asking somebody to get off, send me another video, do this, reassess. Now you're talking, um, adding, you know, an exponential amount of time to a fit that um, now you're losing the value. I, I don't know how somebody's going to, um, you know, fully, you know, continue to charge what they would normally charge, but now their their bike fit takes um, an extra thirty percent longer, um, and that's just a guess. But you know, so now um, you're getting to my, for my opinion, you're getting an inferior product, an in, inferior end result uh, with with less efficiency. Um, so at the end of it, it's really, it's, it's, it's difficult to justify.
That's interesting though. So in a scenario where, you know, potentially let's just say people are home for an indefinite period of time, the feasibility is there, but you're saying you need another person involved. So it's going to be the person in the room, you on the video and a second person to help manipulate plus the efficiency. So now our fit that took X number of hours is now exponentially longer. And then therefore, how much does that cost? How much is that worth? Right. Yeah. Uh, you're diluting your value and your time at that point. And, you know, if you're normally charging $300 for a two hour fit, that's $150 an hour. That same fit is now taking you three hours. And do you still, are you still able to charge them 300 or are you charging them 450 or are you charging them an introductory rate of $125 for a telemetry fit? And now you're working for what, $30, $40 an hour, like on that, on that, that scale. Um, and then, you know, I, I would, I would guess, or I would at least ask the question, you know, most of these people that are, you know, coming in and getting a fit and, um, they, they, most of them don't even know how to change their tire. Um, they don't know the difference between a tire, tire and tubeless. They don't know how to, um, what a torque wrench is. They don't know what a stem is versus a bottom bracket. And so if I'm asking them and I'm trying to, you know, coach them on that, like there, there does become a, a safety factor there of, and confidence level, not only of the fitter, but also of the person doing their own adjustments. Um, it just really gets, um, you start going down a little bit of a rabbit hole of, um, of complexity and liability and safety from my perspective. So there's an issue with obviously executing the change that you're asking for, but, but you're also saying the liability would potentially fall back on the practitioner, even though the person through the video is the one making the changes. I mean, you could probably write up a, a, a contract or some sort of consent that would um, give you a false sense of security uh, that says, Hey, you know, I'm abstaining from all liability here. Uh, my lawyer said that this, you know, this document will protect me. Uh, but we all know that we live in a litigious society and, um, people, uh, you know, could easily say, well, he told me to torque it down to five Newton meters, but I looked later and my C post said seven Newton meters. And then the thing slipped on me and then I crashed and I broke both my wrists and, you know, and then it comes back to the fitter. And I, I don't live in fear of that stuff, but I also have a, a healthy respect for it. So, right. You take it into consideration. So obviously that would still be a component regardless of how you did it. But my understanding is some people are talking about, and I've interviewed some people with their show, they're taking a step back. So they're not looking at this as a full fit component. They're looking at it as remote cycling analysis or position analysis. So we're not even going into, I think, what some would deem as a full fit. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's the right way to approach it. Um, and we do the same thing, like even on the medical side with, bike, uh, with uh, you know, doing physical therapy, we're, we're calling it more of a, uh, uh, a telehealth or an e-visit consult. Um, it, is, it, it is the best we can do given this, the, the, the climate that we're in. Um, but we also know that it is not uh, a one-to-one or apples-to-apples replacement for what um, the in-person, hands-on, objective component would be. Now, using the example um, that we talked about earlier, like doing um, telehealth visit uh, with a, um, with, as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, um, the dialogue is the same. The communication can be the same. Um, they're almost, you know, it doesn't really justify having um, uh, in-face, you know, face-to-face meeting. Whereas... 
when you're doing something that is um, a technical trade uh, that requires hands-on and manipulation, uh, it's the same thing as like me being in my garage, um, holding up a microphone to my engine and asking my mechanic like, hey, like that squeak, what is that coming from and how do I fix that? And they start talking you through about taking the fan belt off or the, you know, the, uh, the serpentine belt and all these things like I have no clue on how to do. And then, you know, are you actually going to be able to fix it? And can you get a good result or do you really just wait until you can take it in and have them fix it? So to your point, uh, changing the, the label of what we're offering and saying, you know, we can do a bike fit consult. I could probably do that. Uh, I could probably give them a better value than them just trying to figure it out on their, on their own. Um, and you would have to know um, your, your scope of practice at that point. You would have to, uh, from my perspective, you would have to know when to call it and say kind of time of death on this. Like we can't go any farther because that bike is, it's, it's way too small. And I can see that, you know, the, the seat is not going to go high enough for you. And really we're just not going to get a, a product out of this. So I apologize, but you know, um, this is outside of the scope of what we're trying to offer you through telemetry. Um, that would be, that would be something, uh, as a fitter, you'd have to be pretty mature to be able to admit and know what your, uh, where your limitations are. Yeah, I say that's perfect. You're, you're talking about defining limitations, right? What is yeah. the box and scope of what I do? Because you even said you are consulting with some of your clients you've already worked with. So you've already done a fit and now they have questions, they're riding indoors and you're not just, well, doors are shut. You know, you're, you're going to consult with them. So that right. sounds like a viable alternative. I believe so. And I think, um, you know, again, we talked a little bit about this, but there's there can be a little bit of fear, right? If somebody's like, well, if I'm not offering a, 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 a telehealth visit or if I'm not offering a remote bike fit, then these guys are just going to go somewhere else. And they're just going to go, they're going to call up the Boulder Brigade and they're going to get fit over uh, Zoom. And uh, now I just lost a client. Um, well, from my perspective, again, like you can't live in fear of that. If somebody's that adamant and they want to pay for something that's half the value, um, so be it. Right. And then once this, once the dust settles, maybe they'll come back and they'll be like, yeah, I tried this thing and it was a total waste of time. And you know, I wish I'd never done it. I wish I'd come to you first. And I realized that there's limitations. And, um, I really think that's the long view. And I think that's the, uh, for me, it's the healthy view because you can't get caught up in the, um, the fear of missing out, right. The whole, like, well, I, I need to innovate and I need to do this to keep my practice open. Um, and I think that um, I think that will serve the cycling community and the fitter uh, in the long run. And I think, you know, how we how we manage our time right now and how we communicate with our athletes um, and our patients is really going to um, set a foundation for what the next few months are going to bring for us uh, as a as a as a cycling industry, as a bike fitting industry, and as a healthcare industry. I want to personally thank all of our guests today. Dan Smith, Frederick Ilagan, Jason Barkoff, and Dr. Brian Adams for expressing their thoughts regarding online bike fitting. I will include contact information and links to each guest on our podcast page if you'd like to contact them or learn more about their fitting businesses. If you have questions about our topic today, would like more information about the episode, or want to start a riveting discussion based on what you've heard, navigate to our amazing podcast page, blog.bikefit.com forward slash podcast. That's blog.bikefit.com forward slash podcast. 
You can also connect with us via the BikeFit hotline at 855-813-3233 or via the emails at podcast at bikefit.com. With your extra time at home, make sure to subscribe to the BikeFit pod via your favorite podcasting application. This is the only way to assure you will not miss a single mind-bending episode. In two weeks, we'll be back with more great content and thoughts on the topic of bike fitting. Until then, stay safe, get bike fit, and be merry. Have a great week.